The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. I had just arrived in London at 18 and spotted this movie marquee, Meetings with Remarkable Men. The film was about the philosopher Gurdjieff, but it was the title that spoke to me. I wanted to know people like that, people changing the world by the way they lived. I've sought them out ever since, and now we'll hear from many of them on the Victoria Moran podcast, Meetings with Remarkable Women. Welcome to the podcast. Your host, Victoria Moran, author of Creating a Charmed Life, Younger by the Day, and Main Street Vegan, invites you to conversations designed to help you thrive in your body, cozy up to your soul, and use your unique gifts to change the world. Now, here's Victoria. I was so lucky to get to sit in on one of the classes of the Compassion Consortium Animal Chaplaincy Training Program. And this particular class was taught by someone that I have admired immensely for many, many, many years. And he is Andrew Lindsay, Professor Andrew Lindsay of Oxford University, longtime student of both the religions of the world and the rights of all beings, including those who don't happen to be human beings. So he was talking about his life way back when and when his children were small. And he said, we weren't going to have any companion animals because there are philosophical problems with that. And then, of course, you have to feed them meat. Oh, but now, of course, you don't have to do that with dogs. And, of course, they have had many, many animal companions in the intervening years. And what he said was very true. Now we know that it is not only safe to feed dogs a plant-based diet, it's actually superior. Sound intriguing? Well, you're going to learn all about it today because my guest is the undisputed expert. Hi, everybody. Victoria Moran here. So happy to have you with us. And that guest that I'm so excited for you guys to meet is Diana Lavadier Dunetz. She holds a Master of Animal Science degree and is a multi-award winning dog health writer, vegan canine nutritionist, and passionate animal advocate. Through her website, Plant Powered Dog, and her canine nutrition practice, Diana empowers dog lovers to raise thriving plant-based canines, and her recently released book, The Plant Powered Dog, Unleash the Healing Powers of a Whole Food Plant-Based Diet to Help Your Canine Companion Enjoy a Healthier, Longer Life, draws on the latest scientific research to demonstrate why a nutritionally sound plant-based diet may be the missing link to optimum health for companion dogs. Welcome, Diana. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria. I am so excited to be here today. Well, I'm excited too. Uh, we've spoken before. I know that you've presented for Main Street Vegan Academy, and now I've been reading your incredible book, and I am transitioning my <laughs> newish little um, rescue from 
more of the kind of food he was used to, to something that I can already tell is just going to be so much better for him as well as for other beings and, and the planet and, and my conscience. So timing yeah. is really good. So let's just start at the very beginning. Were you a vegan when you got your degree in animal science or how did that all come about? I was not. I was vegetarian at the time. I was vegetarian beginning in about 2009. Um, and throughout that whole time between 2009 and about 2017, when I did become vegan, um, all that time in between, I was formulating diets for dogs that were based on animal ingredients while I was vegetarian. And there was a very simple reason for that, really. It was that even though I had the education, I had the master's degree, I had the experience, I bought into the same myths that are still rampant out there today, that dogs need meat to be healthy. So all that time, and then in about 2017, when I became vegan, um, my husband said something to me that really resonated. He said, you know, you're being hypocritical. He said, here you are, you know, you don't want us, you know, any longer to eat, uh, you know, dairy or anything like that, yet you continue to harm animals by formulating meat-based diets. And it was like, whoa, I can't do that anymore, Victoria. So I was going to walk away from the business because who I am is a vegan now for many years. Who I am is someone who cannot for any reason harm another animal, including to feed dogs. But I was so convinced that dogs needed this that I thought I had no choice. Then my very wise husband <laughs> said something else. He said, why don't you do your own research? So that's what I did. And I, it took, a, you know, I went from one expert to another, one scientist to another. Um, and it led me down an amazing path that's brought me here today talking to you, which is not only can dogs thrive on, not only can they survive and thrive on nutritionally sound plant-based diets, you know what, Victoria, but a lot of veterinarians now and myself included as I'm not a veterinarian, but as a canine nutritionist feel that these high meat diets of the past few decades may well be triggering a lot of the increased chronic diseases in dogs, including cancers. So I got the perfect win-win. I get to continue helping dogs and I get to help every animal. So it's, it's just been awesome. Since about 2018, I transitioned my entire business overnight to plant-based dog nutrition, and it's been wonderful ever since. Oh, that's amazing. So I want to ask you about the picky eater question. And <laughs> this seems to happen to me. I found that with large dogs, I had a large dog. My daughter had two large dogs. They were all vegan, and they loved it. And they transitioned mm -hmm. in three days. But the smaller dogs, I used to have a dog who would fast for a week. You know, it's like, no, that is not my food. That is not what I eat. And now the little one that I have now came from hoarding, came from a terrible situation. And so our 
you know, animal dog trainer and, and vet and everything say, just everything slowly, because it's so hard for him to even go outside and not be terrified. So mm -hmm. don't change the food right off the bat too. Well, we're no longer right off the bat. So I am changing the food and it's just the most wonderful feeling. And he loves it. So mm. <laughs> I, I wish now that, uh, you know, I'd done it a little bit sooner, but I have to trust uh, that everything is in divine order. But little Rupert is on his way to becoming a vegan dog. But <laughs> what do you do when the dog looks up at you and says, no, 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 you didn't get this right? Well, you know, and that's an interesting question because it comes from the vantage point that this little dog thinks he's a wolf or thinks he's, you know, a carnivore, which of course he is not, he's an omnivore. Um, I have had so many clients whose dogs of all sizes, small, you know, medium, large, prefer the taste of the plant-based foods. I do think it's individualized. However, I do think that it also depends on the dog's um, background. Sometimes if their palate has been trained uh, you know, in the past to be eating meat-based foods, if they're an older dog, for example, or um, were in a scenario where they were fed meat-based foods, it's a little bit harder because they're, you're changing that dynamic. Um, but what do you do in that scenario where they might be pickier to be transitioned? The way I approach it is I, I tell my clients to find that taste that your dog loves. My dog happens to love uh, herbal type things, parsley and, and things like that. And so I started by putting that on his food. Some dogs like the umami flavor of, of you know, mushrooms, of course, dogs save mushrooms, not ones you pick in the, the garden. Um, and you can buy like, um, like a, a culinary mushroom powder, which is very meaty. So try to find a taste that your dog likes and incorporate it into the food as you're transitioning. And, you know, that's, that's how I find works really well. I actually work with um, an Ayurvedic person in India who has, who works with retraining the dog's senses there. If, if they're, you know, conditioned towards meat-based, she retrains their actual uh, sense. To, to become accustomed to plant-based. So that's really an interesting approach as well. There's is, no one size fits all answer. Yes. And I guess it, it's going to take a lot of patience in some cases. Now, there is one food that my little dog is attracted to, but I think it's a toxic for dogs and that's avocado. <laughs> so let's just get started on the basics of what does it take to have a healthy dog? And you can talk about all, all aspects of healthy dog. Just just train us as if you were training a dog. <laughs> well, my dog trained me, so I don't know if that's a good idea. But you know what? We really can look at this the same way as we would ask the question, what does it take to have a healthy person? And I think that that starts with how do we eat to reduce and avoid systemic inflammation in the body. Okay. I introduced the concept back in about 2015, I think it was in the book, Canine Nutrigenomics, of how dogs have genomically involved along with people. 
And what our genomes are is we can be predisposed to disease, but we can eat in a way that tells our genes to either turn on or off the predisposition for that disease. So we want to eat in a way that tells our genes to turn off for disease. And what foods are those? Those really are plant foods. And why is that? Because plant foods contain phytochemicals, which help to uh, decrease inflammation, and they contain antioxidants, which decrease oxidative stress in the body. So getting back to your question, how do we eat for becoming the healthiest that we can is we want to feed ourselves with foods that promote optimum health. And those are plant foods. And when we think about other aspects of dog life, exercise, rest, stress management, is it bad for dogs to be around people who are full of stress? Oh, of course, they, they absorb our stress, you know? Right. Just like when you walk into a room with somebody who's angry or stressed out. And I think our dogs absorb that even more than we do. They're so their emotional IQ is so off the charts compared to people. So, of course, it's a well-rounded lifestyle approach. But, you know, when it comes to nutrition, we which is my expertise, um, we've sort of taken our dogs, unfortunately, along with us on on a on a ride that is not healthy nutritionally. For example, they did very interesting study out of, uh, I believe it was Spain, in a particularly obese prone region. And what they found was that pretty much, I think it was 100% of the dogs who lived with the obese people were also obese. These dogs had many of the same lifestyle-related chronic inflammatory diseases, high cholesterol, um, and, and metabolic diseases. So for those who think that our dogs react so differently than we do to nutrition, they don't. At the cellular level, they respond very similarly. And when they live with people who eat unhealthy and then tend to feed them unhealthy, they suffer the consequences just like we do. That is so interesting. Now, I'm sure that there's some people who are going to listen to this who, who got stuck back at omnivore <laughs> because we we were all there in grade school with the chart and who's an omnivore and, you know, who's a rugivore right. and who, all that. But of course, they lied to us about that when they told us that humans were omnivores and we just managed to make it work and we're really right. plant eaters. Um, but I took a course in comparative anatomy recently, and as they described the anatomical features of the carnivore, they looked like my dog. The one that particularly got to me was how they have that bent shape in their back leg so that they're always ready to spring for for prey. And then, of course, we know about the short intestinal tract and the teeth and the um, gut bacteria. So for people who just say, you can be a vegan if you want to, but don't tell me a dog's not a carnivore, how do you explain this to them? 
Right. Well, first of all, they are omnivores. Scientifically, they are nutritional omnivores. Um, and, and the gut microbiome is a very interesting thing because what they've found is that their gut microbiomes are becoming more like people. Now, are they taxonomically classified as carnivores? Yes, they are. So are a lot of, so are some herbivores. Panda bears are taxonomically classified as carnivores. Okay. Why is that? Well, when they first classified nature, okay, into, and, and, and created these classifications, they did it much like what you're saying, very interestingly, by how they looked, who looks similar, okay? But this was hundreds of years ago. And what we didn't have back then was the advantage of DNA, okay? And what we also didn't necessarily know is that organisms evolve. They're not stagnant. So they were classified by who they looked like. And what they weren't classified by was their, their genomic way of responding to things such as nutrition and taking into, um, taking into consideration evolution. Uh, you talk about Rupert. Well, I, I will challenge that with a question of would Rupert do well, do you think, behaviorally, um, hunting for himself for long in the wild, right? Um, we have come to accept that our canine companions have evolved very far from their origins, uh, their wolf-like origins over tens of thousands of years to sleep in our beds, to go to the vet, to get their teeth cleaned, to cuddle with us. In that same manner, they've evolved nutritionally to eat much more like people because they've been hanging out with people for tens of thousands of years. So we're talking evolution here. And, and it is actually scientifically shown that they are gaining, um, they've gained enzymes to digest starches that wolves don't have. There are all sorts of, it, it's, it's not, a matter of opinion. It's a matter of some really interesting scientific uh, things that have occurred through the evolutionary process, which I point out actually in my book, and it's really cool stuff. Yeah, you and you do a beautiful job. And it's very understandable too. I realize you are a scientist, but you can write for for the rest of us as well. So when someone is looking to transition a dog who is used to a conventional diet or, or a meat-based diet. For starters, is there an age at which it's just like, no, no, don't bother the senior with this. Just let him or her eat what he's always eaten. Or is this good for any dog at any age? I think it's good for any dog at any age, just like it's good for any person at any age. If you do have a senior that is very resistant to a change in diet, there might come a point where you, you know, where you do let it be, but many, I've worked with many senior dogs. I'm doing a diet now for, um, gosh, I think he's a 16 or 17 year old dog um, that we just transitioned who has kidney disease and plant-based diets are so wonderful for kidney disease for so many reasons. And I have a yes. whole chapter on it in the book. So I would especially say that if your senior dog um, has has a has a health condition you know dogs over 10 are particularly prone to cancers 
um, it's never too late to get them on a healthier nutritional path, just like it's never too late for a person. So um, age notwithstanding, let's just say we have a dog or we have a, two or three dogs in the family and we want to start feeding them plant-based. We can't just walk into the supermarket in most places and say, oh, I'll take the plant-based food. We're going to have to be a little bit more creative. So where do we start? Yeah. So just like if you were feeding a meat-based diet, the first step is really to decide, do you want to cook for your dog or do you want to feed them a commercial diet or a combination of both? Perhaps you don't have to go 100%, you know, one way or the other. Um, so I'm really, really thrilled to say that there are a lot more uh, vegan slash plant-based commercial dog foods that are on the market. Um, so you could simply do a, a, a Google search for them. Um, there are some parameters. There are some out there that are organic or almost organic, um, at, at the very least uh, some that are non-GMO, which I think is important. And so you can do a Google search and come up with them. And I give tips in the book for how to choose a commercial vegan dog food. If you want to cook for yourself, um, there are there's me, of course, who formulates uh, home-cooked plant-based recipes. You can read my book and you can actually learn how to create your own. Um, and there are wonderful resources such as the book by Dr. Richard Pitcairn, who has several uh, uh, diets that he's done. Um, so there are wonderful resources now as it becomes more and more mainstream. Uh, of course, you know, things are catching up with it. So this is extremely exciting, and yet I have had some flack uh, from a veterinarian. My actual, <laughs> I, I go see two wonderful veterinarians who are actually vegan and whose dogs are vegan, so they are completely supportive and being there all through this change and saying rah, rah, but there's another uh, physician in the practice who said you don't want to do this because dogs who are fed plant protein get cardiomyopathy? Oh, goodness. Okay. I'm so glad you asked that. And I, first of all, want to say that I respect veterinarians greatly. They are doing the job of 10 different specialties of medical doctors, right? and they do a wonderful job. However, to give a short background to people who might not know about this, back in 2018, some veterinarians, um, a, a small group of veterinarians started reporting that certain, that some of their patients were getting this type of heart disease in dogs called dilated cardiomyopathy. They reported this to the FDA who began a years-long investigation into it and came out prematurely um, blaming certain ingredients. It started as blaming what we call grain-free diets. And because a lot of vegan diets um, might not have grains, they might have uh, legumes or potatoes or things like that. Instead, they got washed up into this pool and people became very afraid to eat, uh, to feed their dogs plant-based diets. Now, 
let's fast forward eight, nine, 25 years about in December of this past year, such so as very recently, the FDA announced that they were ending that entire investigation and would do no further uh, updates on it because they found no causative relationship between any particular food ingredient and dilated cardiomyopathy. So unfortunately, I think a lot of veterinarians didn't get that memo. <laughs> they got the memo all about the scare, but they didn't get the memo that they ended this and found no causative relationship. Um, I think in some ways it's like plastering on page one that, you know, uh, Tom, you know, hits his wife and then clearing him and plastering that on page 48, you burying it, you know, um, it, it, it was cleared and yet nobody, uh, you know, a lot of people seem to still not, uh, have gotten that memo. Okay. So we're, we're going to do it. We're the pet parent. We're saying, okay, my beloved dog child, we're going to do this planet loving artery clearing ethical <laughs> way of living. So do we start in, for, in most cases, do you just switch overnight? Do you do half and half with the old food? One quarter, three quarters, how do we do it? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that the key is for success is going slowly. And there's the, the reason for that is because the bacteria in our gut, um, there are different species of bacteria that digest different types of ingredients. So you have different species. If your dog has been used to meat, eating meat his whole life, he's not going to have enough of those little guys that like to munch on plants. And then you're going to feed him plants and he's going to have a GI crisis and you're going to blame the plants. But what really occurred is we need to just build up those species of bacteria in his gut that are the ones that, that ferment, that munch on the plants. So yes, you want to start out slowly. Typically, if your dog doesn't have any underlying gastrointestinal issues, um, I always say transition them over a period of say, uh, it's not that long, maybe 10 days, uh, substituting 20% of the new plant-based diet for 20% of the old every couple of days. Um, if they need to go slower, go slower that just give it time to let their gut microbiome adjust. That's what we're doing. So I feel really yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm getting a kudos that we're doing it right. But how do you build up the gut microbiome? Is this with probiotics or just slowly feeding plants and letting the prebiotics do it? Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's slowly letting the prebiotics do it, slowly letting these species um, kind of proliferate, if you will, um, and, and just taking it from there. You are absolutely, you know, you can add probiotics to the diet, but it really isn't necessary um, while you're transitioning, especially if you have a generally healthy dog, you don't have to do that. You just have to take it slowly. Ah, patience. That seems to work for a whole lot of things. <laughs> so, Absolutely. 
When I first started looking into this, when we had our, our first vegan dog years ago, it was, I wanted to do it because I was vegan. And I figured out with a lot of guidance how we could do it so that it was healthful and enjoyable for the dog as well. But the idea that it was actually better than a meat diet, I wasn't in on that until fairly recently. So can you share with the listeners the health benefits of feeding dogs plant-based? Yeah, and there have actually been a couple of studies that have come out recently. Um, one was done by Omni Pet Food. And one was done by Professor Andrew Knight um, at the University of Winchester in England. And I recommend to anybody, K-N-I-G-H-T, to Google him and look at his studies. And they, they are starting to do more research now um, where they're asking the dog guardians of the different types of dogs, whether they're fed meat or, or plants, uh, many different parameters, health parameters. And they have these two major studies and there are other ones out there um, are showing that on different, like with the number of veterinary visits, um, the plant-based come out on top. Um, gosh, with food intolerances, with a really a bunch, it's a big list of things that people can actually go and read the studies. So, you know, I don't really find it that incredible or shocking. It makes sense because plant-based foods, again, we get back to which foods on, the, on earth are anti-inflammatory. And those are the plant-based foods. Um, you know, meat-based diets, I have an entire chapter in the book on cancer. And I don't know if you got a chance to look at that, but meat poultry, dairy are directly linked with cancer. And I've had people say to me, well, Diana, that's fine. That might be in people. That's, that might not be in dogs. Well, you know what? Again, cancer in people and dogs is so similar that they engage in comparative oncology, meaning that they use clinical studies of each species to benefit the other. It is very, very similar. And there are actually, there was a study I came across that I found that, that you don't see in the mainstream that dogs that were fed a commercial meat-based dog pro food product expressed a particular um, compound or chemical, if you will, in their fur. It's a very long name. I name it in the book, which is linked to cancer omnivores, human omnivores who eat meat express that same chemical in their hair. But guess what? Dogs have fur all over their bodies. So for those who think that these toxic meats and animal ingredients that have accumulated toxins into the food animals, if people think it doesn't affect dogs, it sure does. And again, this is not my opinion, it's the science. Well, that is really something to ponder and consider what I know for many people is a huge change. Now, obviously 
people who are already vegan or vegetarian have probably thought about this. And other people are probably thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't transitioned myself yet. <laughs> and you want me to start with my dog. But I guess you start where you're at. That always seems to be the best way for things to work. That is absolutely correct. And you know what? You don't have to go 100% or 100% right away. Do I? Would I love for you to go 100%? Absolutely. Because the more you include of the plant-based products, the more of these wonderful benefits that you get. And of course, the more animals we save from the horrific animal agriculture system. But even adding, you know, dog-safe fruits and vegetables and, and legumes, starting with that is, is a very healthy first step. Well, tell us some dog safe fruits and vegetables. And because I think for most people, it's like, huh, what do they eat? And we already know they don't eat avocados. I know you don't feed them grapes. You don't feed them raisins. You certainly don't feed them chocolate. So tell us what we do feed them. Yeah, and the list of what we do feed them is a lot longer than the list of what you can't, <laughs> which is the great news. Um, you know, okay, wonderful dog-friendly fruits would be berries, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries that contain these lovely anthocyanins that are so uh, cancer-fighting and anti-inflammatory. If your dog loves blueberries, give it, you know, give them a try. Um, wonderful things like lentils and chickpeas, um, gosh, you know, vegetables, green leafy vegetables such as kale, which, you know, you want to buy organic, of course, for things that are highly sprayed with pesticides, but, you know, collard greens and kale, um, starchy vegetables, sweet potatoes, butternut squash, um, there are so many things. And I, you know, again, I, I list all of these ingredients in the book that I love, you know, just some wonderful grains. People think dogs shouldn't eat grains and they can benefit from some of the wonderful nutrients in things um, like, you know, quinoa and, and even wild rice. So many wonderful nutrients that round out a plant-based diet for people can do the same for dogs. Is gluten bad for dogs? You know, gluten is very controversial. And I do tend to tell people to avoid it. I don't typically formulate diets with it because especially if the dog will be eating it every single day, um, dogs can get the same gluten intolerances that people have. So I do think it's best to avoid it, yes. Okay, so we've been saying the book for half an hour. <laughs> it is The Plant-Powered Dog by Diana Laverdure Dunetz, MS. Her website is plantpoweredog.com and she is on Facebook and Instagram at plantpoweredog. So I think that like a lot of things, people may start out with the best of intentions, but they might make some mistakes in transitioning a dog. So what are the mistakes you see people make? Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say, make one small correction. 
which is only because my Facebook page was hacked last year. <laughs> so oh, no. I, yeah, and of course, Facebook believed the hacker instead of me. So I never did get back uh, on. That um, happens yeah. so often. So are you Terrible. on Instagram or did it affect Instagram too? Well, since No, I am on Instagram at Plant Power Dog and I am on Facebook, but I had to start over. And on Facebook, it is at The Plant Power Dog. So okay. I would just add the word, the T-H-E in front of it for Facebook at the plant powered dog. Yeah, I see. And that's actually what you told me. And I just oh, read it as okay. if it wasn't there. Well, <laughs> okay. It, it, yeah. But um, yeah. So you were saying what is, what are some of the um, mistakes that people make? Yeah. Was that? Yeah. So first of all, um, I think people have to understand that Diets should be based on calories. Okay, so in, in, in the Plant Power Dog book, I tell people how to figure out how many calories a day their dog needs. And then based on that, how much protein and fat, which are two major uh, macronutrients. Um, a lot of times I'll ask people, how much do you feed your dog in a day? And they'll say, oh, a cup or two cups. But you know what, Victoria, that has very little meaning because it depends on what the caloric density of that cup is. Um, you know, of course, a cup of cake has a lot fewer ingredients than a cup of spinach and even in the plant-based world. So we start with calories. And then after that, we want to realize that the vast majority of calories in a plant-based diet, perhaps up to 70%, should come from the protein-rich foods. And what are those? Those are the legumes, the beans, tofu, um, and lentils, and those sorts of things. So while it's wonderful to give these, uh, you know, colorful vegetables that we really want to put in the diet, we want to make sure that the predominance of food, from a caloric standpoint, are the protein-rich foods. Okay, got it. So any final advice for people who are looking into this other than read the book, <laughs> the plant-based dog, plant-powered well, dog, you know I'm what? sorry. Yeah. So you know what? Um, a lot of people become concerned because when they switch over to a plant-based diet, their dog has more poop. Okay. He might go a little, a couple more times during the day or the volume might be more and they become concerned that the dog's not digesting the food as long. And so I, you know, sort of parting advice would be as long as your dog's um, stool does not have undigested food in it, or it, it isn't, you know, of course, we don't want it to be runny or have mucus or anything like that. But we have to bear in mind that plant-based foods are higher in fiber and fiber helps keep things moving. So it is a completely natural byproduct, if you will, of a plant-based diet. So that would be a major um, little tip for people to bear in mind so that they're not dissuaded from continuing. And again, just give it time, go slowly. It's not, a, you're not in it for, you know, the, the short race, you're in it for the long haul. Mm. And how about treats? dogs like treats what do we give them for that well you know just like there are so many wonderful human vegan treats right on the market my god there isn't anything you can buy um 
pretty much these days from, from, you know, ice creams to cookies for people that you can't get vegan. The same thing is really happening in the um, dog world. So it depends on how whole food plant-based you want to be, if you will. Um, some people object to buying, you know, commercial treats and they can use things like some dogs, you know, some people use, um, like chickpeas as training treats or make, I have treat recipes on my website that are a little more elaborate. Um, I make uh, have recipe, for example, for tempeh jerky. Um, so you can really get creative and, and little pup cakes that I have. So I have tons of good recipes. If you want to buy commercial cookies, um, there are some great brands out there. And there's a wonderful website called compassioncircle.com, which sells actually a, a a nice uh, supplement to help balance plant-based foods and they sell uh, different treats. And that will lead me to my last very important tip, if I may, Victoria, which is just no matter how diverse uh, your recipe is, if you're creating recipes, um, and this was the same when I created meat-based recipes, you want to be sure that you properly supplement them. So, I hate to say it again, but I go over all of that in the book. And it's just very important in order to create well-rounded recipes that you understand the proper way to supplement them. And, and I would really encourage people that aren't enthusiastic about cooking themselves and, and that won't go to all of the shopping and ordering to get the supplements that there really are some wonderful plant-based foods out there, both uh, fresh uh, canned and dry. So there's there a are. lot to choose from and they're already supplemented. So you don't have to worry about it. And that's a great point. You don't want to supplement on top of a complete imbalanced food. Um, you know, you don't, they've already got all the vitamins and minerals in there. So you don't want to put additional vitamins and minerals in and, and some wonderful vegan um, commercial pet foods have come into the market. Indeed. So Diana, thank you for all this incredible information. And we will put the website and the plant powered dog book and your URLs in our show notes at victoriamoran.com. But because this podcast is meetings with remarkable women, I would like just as we wind down to just get to know a little bit about you. What caused you to have this heart for animals? Oh, I love that question. Thank you so much. You know, I can, this comes so full circle, Victoria. I think like a lot of things in life do. Um, what expanded my heart for all animals began with a dog. Back in January of 2002, I adopted my dog, Chase. And I think that, Many people who live with a companion dog, they love them with their heart and soul. And so often that connection to animals ends there. And Chase showed me, I think he was much wiser than I'll ever be. Um, he steered me along a path to become connected through him um, as an abandoned and neglected animal. 
to other species of abandoned, neglected, abused animals. And I just realized how wonderful they all are. And if I could never harm my own amazing dog, how could I ever harm any of them? What a beautiful story. <laughs> thanks to Chase. And it all started to you. with him. <laughs> yes. uh, and, and thanks to the listeners. You know, some of you might be thinking, huh, what? Vegetarian dogs? Well, you know what? It's a whole new world. And in so many ways, getting better and better. And we can be part of that. So some of that is looking at uh, new and wonderful ideas and just seeing uh, how they fall, how they sit, and and do do take a look at the plant powered dog. It's a wonderful book, and it's very readable. I know sometimes I get so excited about a book that I think I'm going to learn a lot from, and then I feel like I'm back in high school having to read the paragraphs over a couple of times. <laughs> and uh, this this one is is very readable. It's a wonderful contribution to the field. So thank you, Diana. Thank you, listeners. Everybody, just go out there and be remarkable. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can learn more about Victoria or contact her at victoriamoran.com. Be part of her inner circle by joining the Victoria Moran Podcast Listeners Group on Facebook. And if you're a vegan looking to up your game, check out Victoria's acclaimed training and certification program, Main Street Vegan Academy, at MainStreetVegan.com. Mm-hmm.